Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. I got to tell you, I just alluded to before the top of the hour. It's November 5th. It's 55 degrees now and it's raining. What does that mean for your garden? Nothing. But still, you can be thinking about the garden. So please stay with us, folks, because it's all about that and more with Doug and Jess at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Kinston Access, KDK.com. So right now, if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you win a gift certificate from Sorgo. So does it really matter what the temperatures are now as far as your garden in November? Good morning. Good morning, Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. And boy, does it matter. It matters for the gardener that's got to go out in this rainy, cold weather and, and matters, do work. it matters for all those young trees and shrubs that uh, got planted. This is a great start to winter, I think. Uh, you know, just all the rain for trees, shrubs, perennials, all the new stuff I put in. I'm just like, well, I don't have to water. This is awesome. I got to say, though, like the fact that we haven't had a solid frost yet in so many parts of the region is a little bit... Uh, scary. My honeyberries were blooming yesterday when I was out. And Boy, the, I saw an azalea in full bloom, actually, yeah. now that I think about it. And the garlic is sprouted, which is not, not a big deal. Um, you know, that happens. But it is definitely a little out of whack this year in the garden because of the but you know, warm out of temperature. Whack the last couple of years, guys? Or... Well, last year yeah. we had a very slow start to winter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, for somebody like me that grows... Uh, all the cool weather greens and all that stuff. This this is just really an exciting way to get everything started and and going until it does eventually get cold. But yeah, when you see something, I had that uh, that reblooming lilac uh, mm-hmm. bloomerang blooming. It's blooming now. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing that I've lost in my garden is a little bit of coleus and a little bit of sweet potato vine. Mm-hmm. Everything else is even the brugmansia is there. Yeah. Well. <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, all my pots are in, all that stuff. I just sort of put, took all my tropicals down to the garage because I didn't want to get caught, uh, you know, <laughs> with them still out on the patio. And then all of a sudden I had to move them in because of a frost. But it is definitely very strange. But you know what, though? Every I, the, Rob's right. I mean, every the past couple of years, something has been quirky about every season, whether it's the super rainy summer or the lawn never went dormant because it was cool all summer or we have a, a prolonged fall like this one is. It's been something weird with the, the weather for the past couple of years, for sure. I'll tell you what the rain affected. Uh, some poor guy had to go out and film on uh, what day was it? Oh, Wednesday. Oh, was that poor guy you, yeah. for chance? Oh, was that awful? You know, it was the only day we could film. I already, you know, I didn't have any kind of segment that I could think of that I could do in the greenhouse, and I had everything planned. And so we took got a big giant umbrella and went out and filmed outside. Oh, That's and it was no cold fun. rain. It it's was no cold fun to be rain. working, but then to be working on, uh, yeah. you know, video is definitely yeah. not fun. But uh, lots of things to talk about in the garden now, um, other than the the crazy wacky weather that we've been having. I just want to give you the heads up that if you have uh, a Christmas cactus 
or an amaryllis plant or other tender plants that need to go through either a period of darkness in order to initiate bloom, like that Christmas cactus, or they need to be shifted into dormancy to bloom, like that amaryllis plant. If you haven't thought about that yet, now's the time to start thinking about it. With those amaryllis, you've got to bring those bulbs into the garage, stop watering them, let the leaves die back on them naturally, um, and let them sit there for about eight, 10 weeks before you pot those bulbs up in new potting soil and, and cross your fingers that they bloom. I'm ahead of the game. I stopped watering mine. I have some I didn't get outside. Those are going to have to go through, come in and mm -hmm. go what you're, you're talking about. But I stopped watering mine probably a month and a half ago. But the you have them that, protected the, somewhere now? These are inside. These, okay, these, gotcha. never, these never made it outside. Gotcha. Okay. So they just kind of have those big strapping leaves all summer long. And mm -hmm. then I just let them go into dormancy. And then, like you said, let them sit there for six to eight weeks, depending on what you feel like doing. And then, yeah, you got to cross your fingers for that bloom. Yep. And, yep. You, never, you know... You know that every year I buy some to go on TV, so I've got a hundred amaryllis bulbs, and half of them bloom, and then they bloom in February, and they bloom at Christmas. You never know. Yeah. I think the trick for me always seems to be really being religious about fertilizing them through the summer. If they're outside in yep. a pot on the patio, you really have to make sure that every week or two weeks that you give them a diluted liquid organic fertilizer, because that really builds up the stores in the bulb that produce the flower for the following spring. Do you have some amaryllis? I don't. I used to, though. I used to do a lot of them, but I just sort of, with the cats... Oh, that's eating right. the plants, that's it's right. really hard to do those things inside the house anymore. So I typically don't bother with them too much anymore. Hey, congratulations to Joanne from Murraysville. You know, uh, Janoski's talking this weekend about all their poinsettias growing in their greenhouse. And I was thinking about you guys today about one of the things about our sponsors that people need to understand when it comes to growing anything. 99 and three quarters right there on the premises. And when you go to spend your money, your hard-earned money, that means a lot, doesn't it? I'm telling you. That is the most amazing operation for poinsettias I've ever seen. And when I go into that greenhouse during poinsettia season, beautiful. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And and all the, I I love you. Got the traditionals. You know me. Mm -hmm. I gotta have something weird. They always have something new that's like purple or uh, that Prinsettia series. There's this Prinsettia series uh, that that they've carried. That that thing grows on the windowsill year-round mm. better than any other poinsettia so it's just i can't wait to see but it. the local greenhouse the people like the sorgals and that they really are important when it comes to spending your money because you know you're really getting a great product that makes sense you're getting a great product and you're keeping your money in the local economy i mean that's the big big thing for me and you're supporting these folks who's you know, generations of their family have been supported by their business and their the kids have gone to college and they're putting money back into the community by sporting, you know, the little league teams and advertisements in the school musical and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's keeping it local. And that is so important to us and it should be to all of our communities as well. And Absolutely. They're, they're awesome people. They are awesome people. With great service. All right. 866-391-1020. Bank Instant Access. KDK.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. Holiday baking from Betty Crocker to Pillsbury and everything in between. It's Joe and Frank. Next hour, the Dentisi's on the Coons Cooking Hour. Then the tax can uh, to cut plan with uh, Jim Meredith and Kirk Carlson, Marianne Siebert, Ephraim Tillotson, Germani, and you. Let's go to uh, Marilyn in McKeesport. Hey, Marilyn, good morning. Welcome to KDK with Doug and Jess. Good. 
Good morning, guys. I have a problem. I have a six-foot-tall lilac bush that got severe damage for lack of water, which I didn't realize I was supposed to, to water it. And I need to know if I should leave it alone, trim off that damage, which would be almost half, or just wait, or what? It's in the ground, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And how long has it been in the ground? Is it a couple years old, or was it a brand-new planting? Oh, no, it's about... Um, Oh, gosh, I, I had it when it was like 24 inches, so that's how long, maybe four or five years. Okay. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that you say because it's, it's because of the lack of water. Usually by the time a plant that is that established, um, especially a shrub like that, it is pretty good at accessing water on its own. So I do worry that something else might be going on with that particular plant. Can you describe what the damage looks like? Yes, um, the leaves are yellow with about um, maybe a fourth or an eighth of inch of brown turned up around curled. Okay, um, on the outer edge of the leaves. And that was pretty much all summer that it it looked that way? No, I no, I, did, I really, um, it's, it's in an area where I don't watch it every day, but at, when I saw it, it was more like... Um, Coming out of that drought, that little drought that we had, is that what yes. you... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I actually wouldn't worry too much about it and I wouldn't do super heavy pruning on it. And here's why, because we had such a wet spring and early summer um, where things could access water very, very easily. And then we had that brief super dry period uh, where we did see a lot of water stress on plants. That water stress isn't necessarily going to co- um, carry over into next year, especially now that we're having all this rain this fall. So I suspect that that plant is going to leaf out in the spring and it's going to be just fine. I think it was just a temporary drought stress issue that the plant is going to overcome with next season. Yeah, I've got a dog. Go ahead. You think the yellow leaves will come back green without being... um off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they'll drop naturally on their own. Li- lilacs are deciduous, so those leaves will drop off. Uh, if they haven't already, they'll definitely do it before winter arrives. And the new leaves that emerge next spring, I suspect, are going to be just fine. Yeah, I've got this Dawn Redwood that I put up in the woods probably four years ago. And during that period where we, and I can't water it, there's no way I could get a hose up there. Uh, during that dry period, I saw it starting to, you know, change color mm-hmm. and just go into you know, putting itself into dormancy. And I'm not worried about it because it is four years old. Yeah. Uh, even though it's up in the woods and can't be watered, it, it'll be okay. I, I assume it's going to come back. Yeah. Even things that have pretty hardcore drought stress can bounce back by the If it doesn't, season. I'm going to blame you. You're going to blame me mm-hmm. and my fault? Always, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Throw me under the bus. Everybody else does. Oh, yeah. It's your fault, oh, yeah, too, it's Rob. Rob's yeah, fault. Yeah, That's forget right. it, Jess. Rob, it's your fault. <laughs> All right. Uh, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access. KDK.com. Let's say good morning to Chris. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about a feathery red maple bush. Well, how and when can you trim that? Uh, Is there a particular reason why you would want to trim that? It's just gotten bigger than we'd like to have it. Okay. And how large is it at this point? Oh, I don't know. It's kind of big. Uh, like like 20 feet tall, 10 feet tall? Oh, no, 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 no. It's probably like three feet tall, but four, four by four feet tall. Four feet tall. And it's a century red maple, you said? Yeah, the the bushes, you know, not it's not a tree. Okay, so uh, like a Japanese maple? Yes, okay. Japanese. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I just wanted yeah. to make sure we uh, we understood. So that is that's not that big for a Japanese maple. So I would say if it's in your way, like it's along a walkway and you're you know running into it every time you walk in, then it, that's a situation where you would need to prune it. But other than that, I mean, you really want this plant to have its natural, beautiful form, which is really quite wonderful. And when you prune a plant like a Japanese maple too much, you really lose that gorgeous form yeah, I was, that's natural. I, I was going to say just be careful be very careful and take your time that that is such a, a beautiful plant maybe you just shouldn't do it right yeah i i wouldn't i mean i have two japanese maples at my house and the only time i ever prune them is to prune out anything that's dead if okay. there was a dead limb dead branch dead twig then it's okay to go ahead and prune that out at any time but other than that it is just a plant with a beautiful natural form so i would definitely you know leave it be as much as you can. Um, the time when you don't want to prune any Japanese maples is when what we call maple sugaring time. So you don't want to do uh, any pruning in late winter or early spring when their sap is really running, uh, which is when they're tapping regular maple trees for, for maple syrup. Right. So that is a time when you don't want to prune those particular plants. Do your Japanese maples color up nice? Mine? I, know, I know they're beautiful oh, yeah. in the spring. Yeah. Mine, I've got one, and I wish I knew the name of it. I got it at a nursery a long time ago on sale. I think I paid maybe 10 bucks for it, Jeez. and it was like in a three-gallon pot. And I grew it in a container for that summer. And it is when the leaves come out, they're orange, and then they turn to this beautiful chartreuse. And now this time of year, they're back to an orangey red. And it is just beautiful. And that one I, I love it. That one called Behu that I got from mm -hmm. Russ Bedner. Mm -hmm. Now all the leaves are turning. They, the, the bark and the leaves were green. All the leaves are turning bright yellow. And the bark is turning bright yellow. Oh, nice. And the bark eventually, when it gets cold, goes to bright red. Wow. So there's a lot of cool Japanese maples out there. And as far as I'm concerned, there's still time to plant. You know, especially when you're talking about trees and looking at the weather, you know, it's not going to get super cold and I'm going to sneak some more stuff in. I'm going to find some stuff on sale and sneak it in and cross my fingers. And Well, the I'm, ground is far from being frozen. So yeah. as long as you can get those roots insulated and in there, you know, but you're going to have to really make sure you water well next season, you know, but it, should we get any drought? So maybe yeah. we won't get any snow. It'll be rain all winter. We'll be like Seattle. <sighs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just wishing with that driveway right. of mine. <laughs> All right, let's talk to John in Bethel Park. Hey, John, welcome to KDK and uh, the Organic Gardeners. Thank you. I My dahlias are still going strong. They're still putting out fresh blossoms. Uh, the greatest Yahoo! of summer. Yeah. <laughs> but I got a question about when, when they finally do get frostbitten. Uh, when I cut them down, I believe I remember from last year you said something about don't dig them immediately. Let them sit in the ground for the eyes to set. Or, am I remembering that right? Yeah, this is what the uh, Greater Pittsburgh Dahlia Society taught me to do was to, once the tops are blackened, so wait till that happens. Enjoy those flowers for as long as possible. Can you believe it? It's crazy. Oh, November, yeah. at November, and we still have beautiful dahlias out there. Yeah, once the frost takes them. Uh, remove the tops, and then there's a, a little hollow stem at the bottom. Cover that up with a little aluminum foil so water doesn't get in there and get down into the uh, tuber. And then, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, leave them in there for two weeks. Okay. Theoretically, they're putting on eyes like a potato would. Then right. you, pull right. up, you pull them. Jess likes to separate hers in the spring. I separate mine in the fall. I just put them out on a newspaper in, like, the sun porch for a day. Never put any water on them. Just kind of brush the dirt off. And then I separate them by the ones that have eyes. If it doesn't have an eye, 
it goes into the compost pile because an eye means it's going to have a flower. Okay. Excellent. How many, how many dahlias do you have going? He just left. Oh, darn it. That's okay. It's all good. Now, keep going. What okay. Else? we got about a minute for the break. Uh, right down the road from me, and I did some pictures of it. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Amy Crute, is a dahlia fanatic. Mm-hmm. And you can drive by her house on uh, uh, Rochester Road in the, in the north in, in uh, Ross. And she still has all those dahlias going. And we got to a cold period. She sent me a picture where... There was floating row covers, and they're like six, eight feet tall. There's floating, wow. floating row covers over all of them, just to get them to this point where, you know, when is the last time? Maybe was it last year? Did we go this far? No, last year? we didn't go this far before a frost. No, we had one or two earlier frosts, and then we had another warm-up period. If I can't I remember, remember when it's been. Me neither. Gone this, this has long. been the latest, the latest ever, and I mean, I still have. I still have lots of things. Wait, I had a monarch in my garden yesterday. And I am I am like, I went out there and took pictures of her. She was beautiful. And I thought, girl, you better hurry because I, I saw crazy. one. I saw one last weekend in Ohio. Yeah. Air temperature 37 degrees. And then later in the day, it warmed up. And there was a monarch twice. I yeah. saw a monarch flapping over the lake, you know. Yeah. What's that all about? Uh, yep. It's just they're still making their way down, I guess. I made uh, I made the world's ugliest cold frame too. Uh, I've got this old garden cart. It has a lot of sentiment. is that its official Guinness title, Guinness Book of World's Record world's ugliest, ugliest cold, cold it, yeah, frame. Definitely, okay. I've I've okay. got pictures and videos and the whole bit. But yeah, it's this garden cart is has sentimental value value to to us. The the woman who first sold us our house in 1983. Uh, back in Ohio, gave me this card as like a, you know, housewarming gift. And we became good friends with her. And then, you know, through the years, a garden card, it's not going to last. So I right. just painted it up and just threw a window on top of it and put the plants in there. And it's ugly, but functional. <laughs> I'm surprised you could stay focused. She said Guinness. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, all right. Listen, we got a bunch of text messages here. I'm going to let you come over here and decipher some of these things, Mr. Oster, and then we'll come back and let folks uh, jump in and get some responses to their text messages. Uh, no Dollar Bank Instant Access messages, so if you want to reach us there, kdk.com, go to the Dollar Bank Instant Access icon and click on, because all of our phone lines are lit right now, and you'll get a busy signal, so I want to give you another idea on how you can reach Doug and Jess today on the Organic Gardeners. <laughs> Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, now listen, let's just uh, get through some of these text messages. And uh, we'll begin with, uh, how can I organically eliminate a four-foot rose of Sharon that I've already cut back? That's Joe from Penn Hills. Oh, it's called a Lumberjack's Axe. And uh, they're about, I don't know, 10, 20 pounds, double-sided, real sharp. And a crowbar, or a, <laughs> and a, a, a what do they call those? Uh, World Digging War, bar. No, no, it's a World War II flamethrower. There you go. That will work also. Yeah, you got to dig it out. I mean, you got to get either get uh, somebody there with a stump grinder to, to grind that stump out or Dynamite. dig it out for some reason. You know, it is as it will just continue to re-sprout, and that is not something I want with a Maybe just Sharon. fall in love with it. Let it go. Oh, and gag. See the beautiful flowers. And, no. Hey, no. quick it's question. Rosa Sharon. I was talking earlier, and I'm a fan of these brands, Kmart and uh, Sears. And by the way, that store is in Clarion, not Clareton, the one that's closing. So we want to correct that. But, you know, they do sell pots and they do sell flowers. And there are people that make a living doing that. So the more that these stores close, that, that's kind of sad for people who make their living you know, growing these things. I mean, I don't like to see that stuff disappear. Yeah, you know, everything changes. 
I know, I know. I know, but... I know it's tough. It's tough, but you got to you got to roll with what's going on, you know. We talked off the air about, you know, in my case Gander Mountain, you know. Right. It's just it's a really weird time. It is a weird time. All right, I've got another one here for you guys. It says, good morning. It's too late to plant. Is it too late to plant bulbs? Is it too late to cut back my lily of the valley and daisies? Or should I wait until spring? That's uh, from one of your admirers out there. No, it's not too late to plant bulbs. You can plant them until the ground freezes. Even if that's like, you know, Christmas Day, you can still plant. No, it's not too late to cut down your uh, lily of the valley. In fact, if they're brown and icky looking, you definitely can, can and should cut those I let down. Them, I let them do that naturally. Go ahead. Yeah, they just kind of die off yeah. naturally and what was the third part of the question uh the third part was, it was bulbs lily of the valley lily of the valleys should i wait till spring that's all. oh no you can do it now i mean you can wait till spring which is just fine but you can also do it now yeah. if you're thinking about planting some bulbs you know of course always we say buy them locally but if you want something really weird and cool there's a place called Old House Gardens out of uh michigan ann arbor michigan and they're holding what's called a dutch auction and so you just go to go to oldhousegardens.com and anything that's left in the warehouse every day they discounted another 5% until it's all gone. And so I was on there the other day and and got some really weird stuff, you know, a, a double daffodil from 18 what did I say 1806 I think it mm -hmm. was and just some other really cool stuff. If you're interested in growing something different if you're cheap like me and like to get a discount, take a look at that. I, I had fun looking through it. Uh, and the website's really easy to use, too. That's what's nice, too. You can see all the pictures just by, what did you say, when you put hovering. your mouse? Hovering, you hover o hovering over it. All right. She uh, was hovering over me while I was looking at it. <laughs> Let's uh, give you one more text message. Very busy via the text messaging route today, 866-391-1020. And I can understand why, because we've got every single line lit, and we'll get back to the phones in a moment. Uh, I have a cannas growing from containers. These cannas are five feet tall. I would like to uh, remove them and plant some daffodil bulbs for spring color. Uh, is now the time to do this? And how do I save... What's this word? R-H-I-Z-O-M-E-S. The rhizomes. Yeah. So cannas are uh, a tropical plant that are not hardy here. Once the um, greens of those cannas get frosted, or you could even do it now. You don't even have to wait until they get frosted. Cut back that growth all the way down. Dig up the tuberous roots. Um and and you can brush off the dirt with your hands. Don't hose them off. Brush, brush them off. Leave them sit in the garage for a day or two. And then pack them up in a box of peat moss or vermiculite for the winter. They're super easy to store. I mean, you, you really pack, can't do it wrong. Or even pack them up in a box. Yeah, yeah, without the peat moss. Like, just put them in there. Better yeah, with the peat moss or vermiculite. Yeah, yeah they're, they're yep. tough as nails. But what about the daffodils in, right. the, in the pot? Right. I, I, so that's hard. It is hard. It is really hard to do bulbs in a container outside here in Pittsburgh, especially with unpredictable winters. A lot of times they'll freeze out and they'll turn to mush. So what I suggest that you do is plant the bulbs in those pots and then sink the whole pot down into the ground somewhere. So in the vegetable garden or in a compost pile, bury the pot down up to its rim and that will add an extra layer of insulation. And then in the spring, lift the pots out uh, of the soil and water them and allow them to grow what, from there. What if the pots are too big to move? Well, if the pots are too big to move, you're going to have to insulate them somehow. So maybe build a little cage of chicken wire around the outside of the pot and shove some straw or fall leaves into the, you know, uh, you know at least six, eight inches thick around the outside of that pot to give it some insulation from the outside as I've well. I've never been successful growing bulbs in containers yeah. outside. Yeah, it's tough. All right, by the way, looking for that
that 10th caller at 412-922-1020 to win that gift certificate from Janoski. He's got some dollar bank instant access messages coming in. We'll get to those in a moment, but let's go to Rich and Crafton and see what he needs answered from Doug. Hey, morning, guys. Morning. Uh, this might be a dumb question. When I was a kid, they had a big uh, buckeye tree down at the bottom of the hill. Are they chestnuts, or are they just a different uh, buckeye? I don't know. I was just Completely different plant, and uh, you don't want to eat the buckeye uh, seeds. I know. I thought they were poisonous. They too. are, yeah, and especially if it's a horse chestnut, which is even more dangerous. Uh, it's a, the, a real true chestnut, either Chinese chestnut or American chestnut, which we don't see the Americans anymore, but like the Chinese chestnuts, they are they are edible, but they are a completely different species of plant. Uh, and you you really have to be careful and know what you're doing when you're gonna if you're gonna harvest. And when you grow a buckeye, you are celebrating the great buckeyes of Ohio State University. Boo. <laughs> and when you grow corn Boo. in Iowa, you realize you got your butt kicked by those guys who grow corn. <laughs> These were like the size of a golf ball. They were nice big ones, but uh, I just was curious... Something you go hmm about and didn't know. Do you like buckeye trees, Jess? Do you like them in general? I, we have a buckeye. We have a buckeye at home. We have a red buckeye in the front yard. I love the red ones. And it's so a do the hummingbirds. It's a tree. It was a gorgeous tree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're a little bit messy when they start to really drop those seeds everywhere. And so a lot of people don't like them for that reason, just because they are sort of a messy tree in dropping all the nuts and the seed hulls and all that kind of stuff. But uh, they're beautiful when they bloom. They're they're great for um, the hummingbirds love my red buckeye. It's a great in that case, the red buckeye is a lovely small shade tree like a horse chestnut is, gi- you know, that, those are gigantic, uh, but they're still beautiful. How trees. big does the one with the red flowers get? I thought it got big. No, no I think it's only going to get maybe about 30 feet tall. Oh, which nice. is definitely smaller than the horse chestnut, which would get, you know, 50, 60 feet tall. So That's yep. what this was, 50, 60 feet tall. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, great. Thanks. Have Thanks a good day. Call. Hey, we're coming back, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple of moments with more of your calls at uh, 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdk.com. Spatula in hand, time to go to work with all of those great holiday recipes in the way of baking, all of those great cookies and cakes and pies. Oh, my. It is the Coons Market Cooking Hour coming up next hour with Joe and Frank Dentisi on KDK. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDK. All right, we're back. A holiday baking coming up next hour with Joe and Frank on the Coons Cooking Hour. Peonies, should I transplant them now? And if not now, when? Dollar Bank Instant Access. Uh, here's a great question because this is where Jess and I always disagree. I always say never move a peony. And I say, if you have to move a peony, now is a great time to do it. You only ever want to move peonies in the fall. You know my story. I, I had one that had to be moved. I mean, if you don't have a choice, you it don't have a choice. It was in a bad choice. spot, and I ended up putting it in the backyard, and I waited three years for it to bloom, and it was right where third base was. And so some kid got stuck on third base and picked all the buds off. <laughs> <laughs> Darn children. Eric Eric got stuck on third base and he pulled all the buds off. I came screaming, running in the house because <laughs> I was waiting for them to open. You know? Oh, geez. Yeah. All right, one more dollar bank, then we'll finish up with phone calls. Uh, this is from Nancy. I have several three-year-old fig trees, but I'm just getting figs now. Am I keeping them covered too long in the spring or uh, are they in a wrong spot? Well, it could be both things. And Jess, you'll talk about this. But one of the mistakes I made this year with my figs uh, was unwrapping them too late. Uh, I talked to my fig expert, who is uh, Pat Morgan. She's a, 
uh, Penn State Master Gardener in Braddock, and she has the most beautiful fig trees. And I told her, well, I didn't un undo mine. I, I figured until May. She goes, way too late. Mm -hmm. And I had that first crop on there they refer to as the Breva crop, B-R-E-V-A. And I unwrapped them too late, and they just kind of fell off. Mm -hmm. So she told me to unwrap mine end of March, early April. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the reason, one of the reasons that pats do so well is it is in a microclimate between, like, concrete. It's a warm area. Uh, also, part of the thing is is how you wrap them. You know, uh, everybody does it a little bit differently uh, to be sure that they're uh, properly insulated. But even doing all that, I mean, I still I, I had a huge, uh, huge fig harvest of three, and uh, <laughs> that's more than I had. It's maybe, three more than I what? had on maybe mine. There's, there's like I'm in the same boat. Uh, I still have a ton of figs left on there. With this weather, who knows? I'll be picking in December. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, mine's in the garage. I overwinter mine in a pot. So I got a whole little different situation going because, you know, I unwrap in, in March and then they're in the garage with very minimal light. And, uh, you know, it is everybody has different luck with a diff with different techniques some yeah. years one technique works and and then the next year a different technique you know, works the, the, so you just got to find what works the for best you. way i ever was able to do it was when i had one that was small in a pot and the pot was probably 10 gallons i mean mm -hmm. that that kind of small in an, in my unheated greenhouse it put on the breva crop and i was picking figs in like june wow you know but then I figured, oh, man, I got to get it outside because there was too much shade in the greenhouse. And, mm -hmm. you know, the moving in and out of the greenhouse knocked off the figs. And yeah, it is a it can be a mystery. It can be. Let's go to uh, Ron in Cheswick. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Good morning. Welcome to KDK. Oh, thank you. Uh, old man here. Haven't planted beets since I was a child. Got my early summer crop in, got them canned, planted the second crop. Uh, they got delayed maturing because they got attacked by something that was eating the leaves. Then they, I put some dolomite on. They came back. Uh, they're out there now. Although I had several frosts, the leaves still look green. Uh, can I uh, pick them to uh, harvest? Yeah, and you can actually leave those beets in the ground almost all winter long. What I do with mine, with the fall crop, my late season crop, the ones that are just ready to pick now, I will actually insulate them with about four inches of straw. Uh, and wow. leave them in the garden. And then whenever I want to eat them, I'll just go out and lift up the straw and harvest a couple of them and then put the straw back in oh, place over you, the top of the rest of them. When you get a thaw and you can go out and pull a couple beets yep. out of there, man. Yep. That I've is, had them over winter all the way through, you know, that I'm picking in February and March some years. Now, it depends on the weather uh, and how thick of a layer of insulation you have, but it's uh, definitely a great way to prolong that harvest and just pick every now and then if you want, instead of oh, all at once. that's amazing. Yeah. I also have a Rob Pratt crust question. Oh, go ahead. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to him off the air, and he was too embarrassed to ask this, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask it for him. In uh, in honor of the Halloween season, with all the varieties out there, can I get a variety of candy corn? Yes, you can get a variety of candy corn. <laughs> I have no idea okay. what, that, what that meant, but here's what you do. You just keep moving forward. 
just keep moving forward. All right, stay tuned because we're going to take a break here in just a couple of moments and then wrap up the hour and come back with the Coons Cooking Hour. And, of course, if you go to Coons Market, I'm sure they got a variety of candy corn out there waiting for you. But can you grow it? Yes, you can grow it. All right, it just takes a sweet tooth, but you can do it. All right, we'll take that break in just a couple of moments. But before we go to break, we're going to be doing holiday baking coming up next hour, all of your favorite holiday cookies, pies, and cakes. So please join us for that. Stay tuned. Wrapping up the hour with Doug and Jess next on News Radio 1020. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, Doug and Jess have a little bit of a monologue here to get us to the hour at 8 o'clock, and then uh, we're going to get CBS Radio News, then we're going to do some holiday baking. So on that, let's get to Doug and Jess for a little garden talk right now on the Organic Gardeners on News Radio 1020 KDKA. I would like to issue a reminder to everybody that with these warm and rainy days that we have been having and will continue to have for the foreseeable forecast, go out to your garden and weed. Uh, And here's the deal. You're going to thank yourself for it next spring because the ground is still soft. Weeds are going to be really easy to pull. uh, And this is a great time to get a jump start on next spring, especially for those winter annuals like the chickweed and the henbit and the purple lamium, the dead nettle, because they are sprouting now and they will go to seed in one warm day in February. So if you get them out now, you're saving yourself a lot of trouble for next spring. I'm actually growing chickweed under... uh protection i'm gonna harvest it for well it's great i mean it's super delicious it's so great but I don't got, let it go to seed you're gonna have it forever and ever i'll have it forever forever anyway but <laughs> i'm not picking weeds <laughs> i know i should yeah well, you know what voice, I, you're the voice of reason what i have to do at my house which is that lazy. that darn creeping charlie uh you know the ground ivy oh, getting more questions that comes that. in yeah. from the lawn now i don't mind it in the lawn it's green it is green all summer long in the lawn that's really not a big deal for me in the lawn but it the part that's a pain about it is that it creeps into all of my beds. And yeah. several times throughout the season, I have to go in and really weed it out of, under the blueberry bushes and into the edges of my perennial bed. And I always feel like I think go into the winter having a nice straight edge on the beds and getting that ground ivy out of there. It makes my job so much easier in the spring. Well, edging especially. That yes. is definitely, this is a great time of the year. You know, it's going to be 70 degrees today if you get a little break in, in the rain, which hopefully we will. Uh, setting that edge up now. Mm-hmm. You know, I just use my grandfather's old like half moon edging tool, and yeah, it, it makes spring edging so much better. It looks, it always looks great that when you put that edge on there. If you've been doing it, you know, a couple times a year, it's pretty easy. Yeah, and Looks you know, it, it, my philosophy now about not cleaning up the garden in the fall. I know, with my perennial beds, that's I, always been my philosophy. I know, long, I know it has been, but mine. You know, I love the the fact that I know that that's habitat for butterflies and our native bees and lots of other beneficial insects like ladybugs and lacewings. So I leave my garden stand all winter long. And, you know, some people are, are all about, oh, it looks messy and da 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 It really doesn't. It looks quite beautiful um, when you accept, the, you know, the snow falling on it. The birds are using it as seed and as habitat as well. But one thing that can help overcome that sort of mental block of it looking messy is to have a nice crisp edge on those beds. So even if those dead stems are standing as you, they, you should leave them standing, you've got a nice crisp edge, which makes it look, okay, this was left this way on purpose because look at how nice and neat and tidy well, this garden it, bed it's is. Just, it's funny how how you view things in your garden (laughs) you know 
years ago, you might have looked at that and said, oh, I can't leave that like that. But oh, I definitely would have. Now, yeah. now when you look at it, you're saying like, oh, I could never go the other way. Right. Because you're helping all these bugs and butterflies and pollinators and stuff. And I think it's true in so many parts of the garden. In my case, it's Rosa Sharon, you know. Yeah. I look at a Rosa Sharon as this beautiful, wonderful plant. You look at it as a invasive weed. Mm -hmm. And it's just what's what's in your mind. Uh, I I always say you know if you got something really ugly over here, look to the right and look at something. Look real in the beautiful. other direction instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it is a change of mind. I mean, when I started teaching at Phipps years and years and years, almost twenty years ago, which is really crazy. But yeah, uh, back when you were eighteen. There you go. We. Uh, that's not far from the truth. It, yeah, it is far it from is. the truth yeah. actually. <laughs> just a couple of years in addition to that, but we we always taught to put things to bed clean. You know, clean up your garden, cut everything down, rake it all out. I mean, that's what we taught because that's what we thought the best method was then. And now, everything is changing. We're, learn the, we're learning the science behind how these, um, you know, insects overwinter and how the birds need the garden as habitat. And as all of this comes to light, you just have to change your mind and the way that you garden. And you have to make those adjustments and be willing to be flexible with all of it. I mean, I know you were leaving them all up because you were too lazy to cut things no, down. No, I, I had a, a something inside me. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, it told me that the, oh, the, the way to help, uh -huh. help the environment, yeah, yeah. if you could just help one butterfly, it's enough. Oh, ridiculous. Remember when you were a kid and you got the butterfly net? You know, you actually would go out and catch all these butterflies. A kid? She's doing that now. What do you do with them, Jess? Um, I don't actually catch them in a net anymore. I catch them with my camera and take lots of pictures of them. But, oh, yeah, when we were kids. But there were so many more around then when we were kids. I mean, and it's true. We would go to my Nana's house and it would just be... I mean, dozens. We could catch dozens and dozens of monarchs and swallowtails on yeah, any given day. Yeah. And we just don't see that many anymore. And um, it's I really sad. I did, did not see one monarch in my garden. I've saw them other places. Like I said I saw them, you know, in Ohio at the lake, but uh, never saw one in my garden this you year. You know, one thing you guys have never done on the show, we've got 20 seconds. You've never done a show talking about fencing. You know, just to, around oh, the garden, yeah. around the house. Yeah, yeah that's and, a good idea. We were actually talking off air about fencing because she's especially got, with all the gardening going on in the city. She's got yeah. one one doe that has learned uh, to get into her garden. And, yes, oh, that's is that a doe a deer? A, a, do female, a female deer. deer. Yeah, you know, I was thirty six. I realized what that meant. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, boy. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 